Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the F1 Runoff Area Podcast. I'm Amir. And I'm Charles. And in today's episode, we're going to recap the 2022 Australian Grand Prix. Charles uh, was the third race of the season. Uh, third out of 22, I believe, for this year, perhaps. So we're, uh, we're down to 22 now. Yeah. We're just getting going. Some headlines I had. Leclerc wins again. Ferrari's cruising. Um, Verstappen, second DNF in the first three races. Although Perez takes P2, so Red Bull has a, you know, at least salvages something out of the weekend. Uh, Mercedes, P3 and for Russell and P4 for Hamilton. Scoring points uh, despite their struggles. And, and a great weekend for McLaren, who had been uh, off to a very slow start, P5 and P6 uh, for McLaren, as we'll discuss. Yeah, not the most exciting of races, but it l- was a little bit of a shakeup from what we've seen at least this year so far. Yeah, it's fun to kind of watch things evolve uh, as the season gets underway here. Okay, let's uh, take a look at the classification. We'll just go through the uh, top 10 here. P1, Leclerc, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, P2, Perez. P3 and P4, the Mercedes, P3 Russell, P4 Hamilton, P5 and P6, the McLaren, uh, Norris and P5, Ricardo and P6, P7, Ocon, Alpine, uh, P8, uh, Botas, P9, Gasly, and P10, Albon, the Williams scoring some points. Um, I think that that's Williams' first point of the year, correct? I think that's right, yeah. yeah. So you've got Ferrari and P1, Red Bull P2, both Ferrari and Red Bull losing uh, you know, one of their cars th- during the race, uh, as we'll discuss further. Um, and then Mercedes and P3 and P4, McLaren P5, P6. Yeah, McLaren looks to have improved up to, up to maybe fourth place from this weekend. But you never know, the kind of wild card here is Australia. The circuit's always kind of been not necessarily the best indicator of true pace you know, over the season, it's not the most representative of, of circuits. It was changed a bit for this year to, I, th- I think, supposedly to make the racing better, but it seems they took away a braking zone, I think. So I don't quite understand what the thinking was there. But either way, m- even Norris, I think, himself said, this is probably the best it's going to be for McLaren for right mm-hmm. now, um, just basically because Australia is kind of a one-off, you know, maybe. And I don't know if that's completely true, not what Norris said, but just about Australia being a complete one-off. It may be somewhat telling, but it there is it's not the most representative, let's say. So at least Norris felt like McLaren's pace was a little bit uh, flattered uh, by Australia and that we won't necessarily see that flattering mm-hmm. uh, in the coming races. What about Australia would, would enhance McLaren's pace? Is it it's more... Technical? Are they slow on straight line speed? Is that where they're lagging? So like Saudi Arabia, they they dragged? Uh, I don't know how it specifically would apply to McLaren. It's even kind of weird because I want to say that Australia is a point and shoot circuit, but it's not really. um, You know, it's kind of flowing in places. And yeah, so I'm not really sure what makes Australia. It's just different. In some way, it's different than the typical track. And so therefore, it's a street track effectively. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. effectively using at least partially using a city road so maybe that's part of it of course there are other street tracks but either way it's it's usually early in the season and so you want to look at the team's pace but it can sometimes not be the best tell of what the actual pace is so mclaren may have been flattered mercedes you know they actually look like they made a step back in terms of relative pace to red bull and ferrari at the front 
but they sort of looked better in a way this weekend too. Even even with the retirements considered, they still sort of looked better overall. But if you dig into it, they're actually a little further further behind. They may actually be behind Alpine and McLaren in pace. Now, of course, they were out qualified. Hmm. Russell was out qualified by McLaren. Mm-hmm. However, again, maybe that's Australia. Maybe it's a one-off a bit. And maybe that was hurting Mercedes a little more than and flattering McLaren a little. Yeah, Norris had qualified uh, what P four ahead of uh, both of the Mercedes, and then and then Ricardo was P seven. Yeah, interesting. Okay, okay. Let's move on to kind of checking in with uh, each of the teams and touching on the uh, points of note for each team. We'll start uh, with Ferrari. Boy, Leclerc really looked good, controlling the race from the front. Yeah. I think his first two wins in 2019, his first two wins in Formula One, were real marginal, tight margins. You know, second place was right behind, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, nose to tail finish almost, or, you know, as close as they can be in Formula One these days. But this year, at least um, this race, he finally really just ran away with it, so to speak. And it's good to yeah. see. It's interesting. It uh, it shows, you know, a lot of people are going to say it's maybe, a, a, you know, he's, He's uh, evolving into a driver that can do that, whereas maybe he couldn't longer, but I don't really think that's true. These guys have raced so long you know, over their lives and in so many different series that it's really about adapting to the car of Formula One than it is learning how to control the race in the front. Now that we see the car with uh, a bigger pace deficit than it had in 2019 over those behind it, we're seeing him run away with the front. You know, mm-hmm. where He's showing his talent, but um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see. Another, another driver out there, Showing how good he is. We got Ferrari up there winning. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah, one of my notes from early on in the race was uh, Leclerc was just driving away from Verstappen. Like uh, lap 12, up 3.6 seconds, lap 18, plus 8.7 seconds. You know, maybe maybe Verstappen was having issues that led to the DNF, you know, early possibly, on, yeah. possibly. But the DNF wasn't until like lap 39, so... Either way, uh, it know. really looked like Verstappen didn't have the pace to challenge for the yeah. win uh, in this race. Yeah. And then, you know, the other end of the spectrum for Ferrari is uh, Science, uh, who just had a really rough weekend and that uh, continued into the race where he was at lap one. He spun well, it, out and it, crashed, right? At the very beginning of the race, he had a, another slow start. And I guess I really haven't been paying attention to his starts that much. But I, I wonder, has he had start issues in a, in one of the other two races or, or both this year as well? That you know you got to get the you got to get the starts, or it just you know erases qualifying for you. And he already had a bad qualifying. But yeah, then the spin out of the race. I mean, he it was it was lap two. <clears throat> sorry, not lap one, but yeah, lap two was spinning. I think around the turn ten complex or whatever the the left right. But it it or going in, he really lost it going into the left right. It was a complex situation. I mean, he basically like flew through somebody else's jet wash. He came out past someone on the outside into a left-hand turn, and when he kind of cleared, uh, I think it was Schumacher that he was passing. I think it was, yeah. Somebody was right in front of him, so he was in totally dirty air right at the turn-in point, and he just was going too fast. Probably had a little bit of slingshot effect, lost it, and that's it. Race yeah. over. Probably pressing a little bit too much because of the, the poor start. Which I, I had seen some reports that the poor start was not his fault. That they swapped steering wheels or something, and oh, that the right, anti-stall yeah. kicked in uh, for some reason, and that it really wasn't his fault. That's but right. luck uh, certainly hasn't been on his side this year much either. But you know, it, I think it was Palmer that said, "Is he morphing into a number? The number two? Is he morphing into the number two? Where Perez has, you know." 
fit comfortably in as the number right. two at Red Bull. Is that what what science is? I mean, certainly not. Not he's not intending to do that, but yeah. is that is that happening? Because you, you, this much longer and that kind of will just the team it it's kind of will shift internally, and it's hard to then claw that back unless you can just do it on outright pace. You know, obviously, if you can claw your pace back, you're 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 there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, just uh, that really was a terrible weekend for science, especially in contrast to Leclerc. Now they did re-up his contract, although that was actually done before and just announced, I think, recently. Um, but yeah, so he has another contract for next year. The team is obviously very behind him, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful he will get a handle on it and, and match Leclerc. But it's starting to look like he might just be be there. And he 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 said something in the press about how funny it was that people were doubting. Ooh, is Ferrari now gonna? maybe drop him and he's like we actually you know we'd already signed everything or at least you know it was basically a done deal we just hadn't announced it yet so he thought that was funny mm-hmm. of course that's the normal you know uh, normal uh, par for the course for the press so to speak uh, right, right. He, he, but yeah he has struggled this year he, he said he felt more comfortable in last year's uncompetitive car than he does in this year's competitive car so if he can get himself to like the car a little more and for it to to do what he wants a little more maybe he'll get up up to leclerc's pace or at least uh you know make a make a fight out of it yeah one other note i had for ferrari uh leclerc also took fastest lap so an extra point and there was some uh you could hear him talking on the radio with his team uh toward the end wanting to consider i think I don't know if he wanted to pit for he didn't when I don't know if he wanted to pit for tires or not. But he was asking, can we go for fastest lap before we hit traffic? As they pointed out in the commentary, uh, the broadcast, like that's the sh- that it just showed how confident he is. You know what I mean? He just totally has the race under control. He's going to win the race. Final lap, he's already thinking, can I get that extra point? He's got experimental up? capacity. Okay, well let's move on to Red Bull, uh, P two for Perez or Perez, as uh, some listeners have reminded me that. Uh, it's more accurately pronounced Perez. Um, so P2 for Perez. Verstappen with the DNF, as we mentioned. Lap 39, car just, you know, he shut down. Had cooling issues, apparently. So second DNF in three races. And then, you know, the only, either DNFs or he wins the race so far. Um, yeah. And I mean, the P2 for Perez, you know, looks good on paper. But had Verstappen not retired, you know, Perez would have been third at best. Settling in as the uh, good number two, so but a second place, and it was a it was a good showing. I mean, he really is seemingly to fit into the number two role that they need from him, which is to be able to disrupt the strategy of whoever you're fighting with, as Botas did back in the day for Mercedes. You know, he really does seem to be doing that. So I don't mean to disparage his results. You know, we all know though he's he's never really going to be. You know, we all know who's, who's number one in that team, right? Yeah, Red Bull's got to be worried about these reliability issues. I mean, it doesn't seem to be the same thing, which maybe is more concerning. I don't know. They or maybe keep saying just, it's not the same thing, but it yeah. keeps relating to their fuel somehow. Right. It's a fuel was, system fault of, of somehow that it stopped for stopping, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. There, there was some cooling aspect in there, too, but maybe one contributed to the other. And then it was fuel pickup in Bahrain, um, as I recall. That was part of it, so... Yeah, but I mean, fifty percent of their uh, starts so far are yeah, DNS. Yeah, I was going to say they, yeah. they have half the points that they they should. Yeah. Basically, you know, they've lost three of their six finishing positions through through unreliability. Just a ton of points lost, and it it you know it has to pretty much stop soon if they're going to mount either championship challenge, you know, constructor or Verstappen in the drivers. 
it's going to have to arrest itself pretty quickly or that's just going to evaporate away because they've already lost so many points. Yeah. Long season, so, you know, three races in. But still, we're, you know, we're more than 10, 10% in, right? Right. So they've already, you know, you can't, you start talking about 20, 25% in that amount of points loss, you know, it can be unrecoverable. Yeah, they're just digging a little bit of a hole. Um, all right. Well, uh, should we move on to Mercedes? P3 and P4 for Mercedes. Uh, Russell P3, Hamilton P4. Um, Hamilton had bad luck with the safety car again. He really... He got a great Probably start. should have had P3. Yeah, great Put, start. Pulled himself into third, and, you know, Perez got him on pace not long after, I, I believe. But, yeah, good start. And then just he got track position-wise, he got screwed by the safety car, and Russell got helped by it. You know, they looked pace-wise, they looked pretty much the same all weekend, it seemed like. Basically, they, they had the same pace, and it was just track position that determined it. And the safety car gave Russell the luck to have track position, um, you know, but but they Mercedes pace. Russell said something like, "If I would have tried to challenge Perez, the the pace would have just fallen off the cliff." Hmm. So it, he was discouraged by something like, "There's not a lot to come either. Don't expect a lot to come anytime soon from hmm. from Mercedes." But yeah, they they looked like I said. I think we talked about earlier. They looked a little better to me overall. But if you look at it, they really look a little worse and. Yeah, I guess they've still just got this porpoising problem, which is causing them to compromise their true pace. But they don't know what their true pace is either. They don't know how much they can unlock until they fix the porpoising. So it could be that their car isn't, you know, doesn't have the potential to fight at the front. Hopefully not. But yeah, I didn't really take away that they looked worse. Why? Why do you feel they looked like maybe they've taken a step back? Just the supposedly, gap? if you look at the numbers on like average pace over the weekend or whatever they're actually further behind red bull and ferrari than they were at the front i didn't i read about that and didn't look too hard at it but you know they they were actually supposedly behind i think mclaren and alpine on that metric but if you Mm. look at qualifying you know they're behind mclaren really but also again it's australia this could be a one-off let's see let's see after you know imola what it looks like um, but yeah supposedly they, they lost a little bit in Australia uh, to at least to the front two teams yeah one silver lining from the weekend is the podium for Russell and I believe that's his first real podium in Formula One I think that spa mm-hmm. last year then the no race situation he was second I think right he had qualified second so he finished second yeah but now he gets a real podium, and that's a real play. He he didn't take anything from it. He said something like, "There's no, I don't, I don't I'm not trying to fight Hamilton to beat Hamilton. Who cares? Yeah. I just want to get the, you know, we'll worry about that when we're fighting for wins." But it is his first podium in Formula One, so statistic wise, it's a uh, momentous occasion in his his career. Yeah, and what we think, you know, everyone thinks will become a big, you know, one of the big names in the history of Formula One. Yeah. We'll, We'll see. I think he certainly has the talent, but you got to be in the right place at the right time. And is Mercedes uh, fading? Right. Okay. Well, let's move on to McLaren. Uh, P5 for Norris, P6 for Ricardo. And as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, McLaren has been struggling. This was kind of the first time they looked like, okay, they're, they're, they got their stuff together. They're up there. Big asterisk is Australia again. So who knows what that means? <laughs> and as you said, Ricardo, or, I'm sorry, Norris was was not super bullish on the uh, performance. Uh, I didn't see as much pessimism from Ricardo, though. No, I, I agree. I, I, particularly, at least after qualifying, he was buoyed by something, by their pace in, in some manner. So, you know, also, I mean, R- Ricardo is generally the optimist, but not really anymore since he's had so many struggles. So 
to hear him be optimistic, maybe there is some some hope there that they that, that some of this is real pace. Yeah, and he, Ricardo even said something like, uh, "Yeah, we, uh, we should uh, get more positivity out of Norris, or Norris should be more positive than he is." Kind of oh, said it, yeah, kind of in his jovial <laughs> way, so it didn't yeah. sound as cutting as it you know might look on paper. But uh, you know, one other thing about McLaren that was interesting: all o- early in the race, the McLarens were all over Russell right on him and he was kind of holding them at bay then Hamilton was uh, you know ahead of Russell and then they just it looked like oh wow the McLarens are going to pass Russell that's what I that's what I assumed but then they just kind of faded I guess I don't know if the tires came in for Mercedes or or possibly safety car you know timing I don't know you know maybe they may have been unlucky with that but it could just be that you know I like to look at as a purist kind of who's the fastest i like to look at qualifying but it's not necessarily the same you can have a car that's not quite as good of a qualifier but is has better race pace and it might be that they don't have the race pace. you know the the qualifying flattered them even more uh, than just the one-off australia thing possibly Mm -hmm. and they have had uh, less race pace relative to mercedes than they had qualifying pace relative to mercedes who knows now that makes sense Okay, moving on to Alpine, P7 for Ocon, P17 for Alonso. Although Alonso looked very quick this weekend. Um, I think in qualifying, he had a, he had a real nice and lap. At one uh, point, he was looking to be on provisional pole in qualifying. You know, it was yeah. the first run, I think. So, you know, it probably wouldn't have lasted. Or it was early, and, you know, someone else, Verstappen and Leclerc still had to make their runs. But still, yeah. he looked, looked very fast. Yeah, and then Alonso did um, have bad luck with the safety car. It was like lap 24, I have in my notes. Um, he was on I'm hards. I guess it was Latifi. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good guess. Um, <clears throat> Alonso was on hards, so it was too early for him to pit, but a lot of, so a lot of the field got to make their pit under that uh, safety car. Yeah, um, he looked fast all weekend, but it was kind of an anonymous weekend. Otherwise, for Alpine, I don't have a lot in my notes to, to talk about. I did note that he sort of pledged his commitment to Formula One, you know, and that if he didn't think they could win at some point soon, he wouldn't still still be there. And I think somebody, Brundle or somebody, made the comment that if you dropped him in a Mercedes, he'd probably still be challenging for championships. And hmm. and Alonso sort of said, "Yeah, I wouldn't be here if that if I didn't think that was the that was the case." But yeah, not much to say about Alpine, although they did look quick, particularly early in the weekend and during qualifying, they looked very fast. Yeah, and one other note I have, uh, looking at the list of fastest laps, Fernando Alonso, second after Leclerc, fastest lap. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. So P17 is not a very representative showing, that's for sure. Yeah, um, he was six-tenths off of Leclerc, but still uh, right up there. Okay, moving on. Uh, next up, Alfa Romeo, P8 for Botas, P11 for Joe, Guan Yu Joe. Um, so Alpha continuing to fade a, a little bit. We had hoped we had high hopes for them early on. A little bit, but that's a good result for Joe. And it's got, is it kind of like a situation of where he's starting to get a little bit better and better, and they're sliding a little bit, but they're not sliding as much as you know it looked. You know, I don't know. Um, interesting mm-hmm. though, eleventh is a good good result for him um, this early in the season. Yeah, Joe, the the rookie, uh, really seems more comfortable than I would have expected. Alfa Romeo said that they had uh, it was qualifying that set them back rather than them fading. You know, the, the qualifying setbacks they said um, hid, uh, and I quote, mega race pace. Um, I saw that that's too. a little bit maybe. You know, you think of that as a maybe a bit of an exaggeration, the mega <laughs> race pace. But clearly, at least the team thinks, and they probably have data to back this up, at least to some extent, that they had better race pace 
um, than the qualifying showed. And so therefore their results, you know, basically track position meant their results didn't show as well as, as they could have. Yeah, well, another data point that might support that is the positions they improved during the race because Botas started P12, ended P8, so up four positions. Joe started P14, ended P11, so up three positions. So, yeah, they yeah. had uh, they clearly had good race pace. And P8 is within the top four teams, right? Yeah, you know, right. And now, obviously, there were retirements, so maybe you take a team, two retirements, you take a team out of that. Yeah, but still, in the four or five top teams... That's, you know, that's better than, than last year. The other thing Alpha said was um, it's better to fight basically in the midfield. It's better to fight Alpha Tari and Alpine instead of the medical car. So that's a good point. <laughs> Eighth and 11th, that's actually a humongous improvement from last year. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny that, you know, basically instead of being at the very, very back. They're, that's pretty uh, good. They're at least, at least up there in the midfield. So, but they think they were uh, actually higher than that. So. Good. All right. Um, next up, AlphaTauri, P9 for Gasly, P15 for Sonoda. Um, I, didn't, I really didn't have many notes on them at I all. I have zero notes on that. Another anonymous, yeah. anonymous weekend. You know, again, ninth isn't bad. I, you take those two retirements off, that's really 11th. Not as good. Mm-hmm. But uh, AlphaTauri doesn't look as strong as they were last year, at least this far in the season. But, you know, again, it's just, you know, the midfield's jumbled up right now. Is Australia one off? I don't know. Let's 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 see uh, if Alphatari can uh, be a little stronger in M1. Yep. All right, and that brings us to Williams P10 for Albin, P16 for Latifi. Yeah, again, not much to say. Uh, still struggling. Finally, a little bit to talk about though. That was you know the, the first point for Williams, and that was quite a strategy that Albon used. I think he used oh, yeah. the same set of tires for the entire race until the last lap. Right. Uh, didn't pit under the safety car or virtual safety car to save the, the pit time, but just made the tires. He apparently kept them in the sweet spot somehow, temperature sweet spot. So with good tire management effectively, that kept them competitive rather than falling off a cliff in pace-wise, you know, the, the tires. And, you know, so good strategy. He was a little bit lucky at the end. Leclerc started lapping cars that he was fighting with for positions, so that delayed them a bit. And I don't know if it worked out that because he pitted in the last lap or something like that, you know, versus the lapping, if that helped too, the timing of that. But either way, he was a bit lucky, but it was also a, a great a great drive. So into 10th, that's pretty good for Williams uh, this year. Yeah, and Albin started P20, back of the field, so up 10 positions um, yeah. to P10. 16th from Latifi, a strong 16th run from Latifi, solidly Solid in 16. the uh, bottom bottom quarter. Yeah. The top of the bottom quarter. All right. Uh, moving on. Aston Martin. P12 for Stroll. Uh, Vettel did not finish. Um, they continue to struggle. Um, I think I ended, Vettel uh, makes his return, but yeah, rough weekend. Yeah, really rough weekend. I think I titled my notes document Aston Martin struggles mightily or something, mm-hmm. but there's actually nothing in my notes about it. It's so... So bad. The only thing I really have is about the fact that Verstappen was complaining that the safety car, uh, the Aston Martin safety car, is a turtle. Oh, yeah. Which I think is sort of funny. You know, you had the Mercedes safety car. Mercedes is fast in the form of the one car, but their safety car didn't get at least as many complaints. So you got to assume it was a little bit faster. Then you switch to Aston Martin, the team that's struggling, that's further down the order, and their safety car isn't as good <laughs> either, yeah. apparently. Isn't as fast either. And, you know, those those safety cars have to basically ri- run at almost the limit 
because Formula One cars can only go so slow. Mm-hmm. So they're, those guys are out. That's why they have ex-drivers driving them and stuff like that. They're out there really, maybe not quite at the limit, but they're hustling the, the car. So if, if the Aston Martin car they're using is actually doesn't handle as well mm-hmm. as the Mercedes, you know, or doesn't, you know, that, that might actually be a factor. Although I did see the FIA put out a statement kind of rebutting, I think it was the FIA uh, put out a statement, pretty sure, put out a statement kind of rebutting um, the suggestion that there's a problem with the car, saying that the, the pace car's speed is the result of a number of different factors that are considered and what's the appropriate speed and how much they want to butt, bunch up the field depending on what's going on on the track. So they were kind of trying to give Aston Martin a, cut them a break. So Yeah, uh, I can't imagine the handling differences between those two street cars really is... Um, you know, they're both high performance cars. I can't imagine that's making any difference. Yeah. They, you know, the drivers always complain about the safety car going too slow. Yeah. But Vettel, um, just lost control of the car, lap 24, went into a wall. Um, that was the end of his, uh, his day. Uh, Stroll, one note I had for Stroll was the really interesting tire strategy. Did you see what they did on the, um, the early, uh, safety car after Mm -hmm. science spun out? Um, so they're at the back of the field. Where, where did uh, Stroll start? Um, <clears throat> no, he started 12th, but he must have been at the back of the field uh, by then. Yeah, after um, Science spun on lap two, safety car comes out. Stroll's already you know, near the back of the field. Had started on hards, pitted under safety car to take mediums on lap two. Hmm. And then, still under safety car, pitted the next lap to take hards. Because he's at the back of the field already, not going to lose track position. The idea is, and we've made our you know required uh, compound change. And you just go the rest of the And now we're on back hards. on hards, yeah. go the rest of the... It didn't really pan out no. very well, yeah. obviously. But I thought that was really clever. I thought that well, was... Well, and you got to do things like when you're struggling that hard with pace, you might as well. You know, what do you have to yeah. lose? You might take some random strategy... Uh, throws just like you know Verstappen did in the finale last year. They were changing to the softs and stuff when they normally wouldn't been. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they made an actually an extra pit stop or whatever, but you know you're just throwing anything you can at it because you're struggling so yeah so mightily. Yep. All right. Well, that takes us last but not least uh, to Haas P13 for Schumacher, P14 for Magnussen. Um, they did both improve two positions from where they started on the grid, but there were you know retirements so. They I knew really Alpha Romeo had an excuse for why they weren't as fast as they were in previous races. It could just be the Australia one-off thing. It didn't suit Haas for whatever reason. Um, supposedly, they have a fundamentally advanced car. So, But I don't know what. I didn't hear what their excuse was. Yeah, I don't either. It was exciting uh, when Haas was scoring points. I want to see more of that. So well, we, we, we will, too. Yeah. I mean, we'll see them. It'll, it'll vary. And again, Australia might be the one-off. But... I think we'll see Haas in, in more straightforward races, uh, at least at least sometimes being back to where they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, teams will develop and, and maybe surpass them, but you know now we're all playing with the same budget, so development might be a little more uh, even-handed as well. Yeah. All right, well, that rounds out the team. Should we cover a little bit of the driver's standings? Sure, yeah, of course. Leclerc's running away with it, right? Leclerc's running away with it. He's now, he now has 71 points. Second, you've got Russell, Mercedes, 37 points. Science in third, 33 points. So Science still is in third. Yeah. But he's 30-something points behind his teammate already after three races. Yeah, 30 As we points. saw last year, it's hard to get points back when you got a big points deficit. 
Um, you know, when I say last year, I mean we saw two drivers that were really close. They were different teams, um, but they were very close. So they were, you know, there weren't, weren't a lot of points between them, even first and second. There were only seven points between first and second. So 30-something points is a big deficit, and he's got to claw it back from his teammate who has the exact same car as yeah. him. So, again, there's going to be fewer weekends where you have bigger gaps in points unless there's a retirement or something like that. Right. Yeah, and then you've got Perez in fourth um, with 30 points, uh, Hamilton fifth, 28 points, Verstappen six. I'll stop it, Verstappen. I'll stop at six. Verstappen six with 25 points. So yeah, so 50 very, something points behind Leclerc, the, yeah. the the driver who probably has the most potential to challenge Leclerc for the for the year, at least from what we've seen so far this year, is 50 something points behind already. 18 yeah. races to go or 19 races to go or whatever. A ton of points still to be had, but still, that's a big, big points gap. Yeah, 46 points. Um, yeah, he could he could win two races and Leclerc DNFs, and he just barely ekes up to the lead. Uh, if yeah, that that's happens. right. Yeah, he's yeah. got a two-race DNF in hand over, over sixth place, but over, over Verstappen, the, the most likely challenger. Yeah. Um, okay. And then we'll talk about the constructor standings briefly, or at least some of them. Um, Ferrari first 104 points Mercedes second with 65 Red Bull third with 55 and then it starts dropping off McLaren fourth 24 points Alpine fifth 22 points so um, yeah Ferrari running away with it I thought it was an interesting um, note from this weekend that in the constructor standings Mercedes actually closed the gap to Ferrari uh, this weekend. Wow! You had Leclerc with the win, obviously, and fastest lap, but then you had Hamilton, you had Russell and Hamilton P three, P four. That's a lot of points. So Mercedes actually scored twenty seven points versus Ferrari's twenty six. So uh, Mercedes on the move, despite working through issues. Yeah. <laughs> At least one point on the move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, McLaren in fourth. Alpine in fifth, so McLaren, at least in constructors' points, not challenging Mercedes yet, but sort of looks like they're actually right where they pace-wise they showed in Australia anyway. However, Mm -hmm. Alpine, too, with 22 points, only two points separating them. I think it'll be interesting to see how that um, battle in the constructors' points ebbs and flows and, you know, to different teams, between those two different teams, um, as the tracks suit one car or another better. Yep. Well, we're, we move to Imola next. We got a sprint race weekend coming up that makes it a little more interesting. We got something yeah. uh, meaningful, not just to practice on, on Friday. So we got a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all a uh, meaningful session, so to speak. Not that practice isn't meaningful, of course. Does throw a bit of a wrench in the upgrade. The, this is the first race uh, back on the European continent after the mm. fly array races, as they call them, at the beginning of the year. Mm. So teams would normally bring, you know, a lot of teams would normally bring a big update maybe their first big upgrade of the year uh, to this race, whether it be Imola or a different race, but the first European race. Mm -hmm. So this year, though, with the sprint race, you lose a practice session effectively. So it's really kind of a risk to bring a new part that you can't thoroughly vet out to see if it really is an improvement or not. You don't want to take a step backwards, of course. So I think even Ferrari said they were avoiding upgrades for, for this weekend. But... Anyway, sprint race weekend, that's what I'm looking forward to, to personally. Yeah, that's going to be super exciting. That's an interesting point about the upgrades because, uh, yeah, you, you know the teams are just chomping at the bit to get their their you know most hopeful upgrades in place and see how they do, but they might have to wait to wait another race for that. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I think that's about it for me. I I uh, saw a few items of note that Hamilton might possibly buy the Chelsea Football Club. I have no idea if that's real or or not. But uh, Leclerc was was robbed in Italy. I do know that that was saw real. That. Apparently, yeah. a, a very expensive watch. Which, if I, of course, he was probably gifted that watch. But if I was owned right. that, if I if I was if I owned that watch, I would uh, probably not be wearing it out. Yeah, three hundred thousand euro watch. Did you hear how it happened too? I did. Yeah, he was out at dinner and and it was some somebody, fans. Yeah, uh, some was, he got mobbed fans. by fans yeah. and then and somebody swiped it. Yeah, just awful. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the life of a Formula One driver. That's yeah. the life of a Ferrari driver in Italy. You probably can't go anywhere without being uh, mobbed, particularly after you just won two of the first first three races of the year and they haven't won a world title in in God knows how long. Right. Well, that's that's the last straw for me. I am I'm gonna stop wearing my luxury watches in public. I just that's you know I, I've felt for a while that I'm pushing my luck, and that just kind of highlights it for me. I've got so. a nine hundred dollar watch. Nine hundred? Yeah, my phone. No oh, right. I, I got an iPhone. Aren't they about like nine hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, something like that. I do have the mini, so I've got the smaller. So I got an eight hundred dollar. Yeah, I don't think those are as watch. sought after by the criminals. It's a it's a pocket watch. Pocket watches are effectively back in. <laughs> All right, well that will do it for us at the F1 Runoff Area Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.